Patrick Sertain or J.C. Horn, Panay Sewell or Kyle Pitts. Bob Sturm of The Athletic joins me to discuss what the Cowboys should do with the 10th pick in the draft. Hello there, I'm your host, Shanavaz Makani. He's a staff writer for The Athletic and co-host of The Hardline on 1310 AM and 96.7 FM, The Ticket, here in Dallas, Texas. Please welcome in Bob Sturm. Bob, how you doing, buddy? I am doing great. It is a pleasure to join you. Thank you very much, sir. So, as everybody knows, big day tomorrow. NFL Draft is here, finally. It uh, feels like uh, we've, we've kind of been stuck in, uh, you know, watching college tape, and, and especially after the crazy season last year. Um, you know, I want to get into what the Cowboys should do at number 10. You know, obviously defense uh, was the big issue last year. Mike Nolan's defense was just in shambles. Uh, is it a foregone conclusion that the Cowboys are drafting a corner at number 10? Well, yeah, you, you, you hate to speak in great certainty for something that you have no control over. So I, I, I don't know if foregone conclusion is the term I would necessarily use, but I would definitely say uh, that, that that's what they are uh, most likely to do, given the supply and the demand of the situation. Uh, there's, uh, you know, for the first time, I want to say in uh, well over 50 years, it might even be over 60 now, uh, they are in a draft where they select 10th and where it is likely that they will get the first defensive player on the board. Uh, likely is, is, is probably not an overwhelming term there, but, uh, but I think it's very possible they get their pick of the litter of any defensive player. And so, you know, when you look at, okay, how are we going to go about fixing our defense? There are certain positions where you absolutely have to grab blue chip if it's available to you. And of course we all know on offense, we would, we would say that's quarterback above and beyond everything else. And I agree. Then uh, we would say probably left tackle, but on defense, it's more of two positions. It's cornerback, especially if you think you have a number one corner available and, and then uh, edge rusher. And if, if you're lucky enough to be up there, if Joey Bosa or Miles Garrett or Chase Young come along, then I recommend you grab one of them. So this isn't that year, of course, but as you know, the top two prospects defensively, according to many, are those two corners uh, that we've talked about quite a bit. Patrick Sertan, the son of uh, Patrick Sertan, uh, a guy uh, ironically drafted by Jimmy Johnson uh, over 20 years ago in Miami. And, uh, and then uh, J.C. Horn from South Carolina, the son of Joe Horn, the longtime New Orleans Saints. So uh, it, it, it does come down to the old draftism, if you will, of uh, what kind of ice cream do you like? And, uh, and there's, you know, when, when somebody asks you your favorite type of ice cream, assuming you're not somebody totally against uh, ice cream, which I can't imagine there's too many people like that. Then, uh, then it comes down to, are you, uh, do you like strawberry or chocolate or vanilla or butter pecan? I mean, what are you into? And, and that would help you get, you know, the idea that each team has a different set of strengths and weaknesses. Each team plays a different scheme. So in the Cowboys setting, I would say Patrick Sertan is probably my cup of tea. So you asked me a brief question. I gave you a substantially longer answer, which uh, I think, you know, is in my scouting report, but uh, there you go. <laughs> hey, that's, I love it. I love it. You're the expert. That's why I, I bring you on my friend. That's I, I absolutely love it. So you, you bring up an interesting point, Bob, you, you know, you said, 
when when you're drafting, you you're looking at those those kind of blue chip positions, right? Those positions of great need, and then and on the offensive side, it's it's quarterback and left tackle, and that brings me to yeah. if a guy like Panay Sewell falls to ten, right? Somehow, you know, if this guy, who across every measure of the board, it seems like is the number one offensive tackle um, in the draft, if he falls to ten, especially with the struggles that the Cowboys had on the offensive line last year, does that make the decision there a little bit? more difficult for for Jerry Jones and 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 the front office 100% yes it does uh there I you know the the whole uh, draft for need or draft for best player available it it's absolutely a, a muddy waters there's no doubt that uh there are times where I'll say you know what you have to address need and there are other times where I say yeah but uh you can never go wrong with a superstar so so I would then uh, say that every situation is different because the prospects are different. But in this case, I don't believe there is a absolute no brain Deion Sanders, Jalen Ramsey type corner. And if I don't believe that Patrick Sertan or JC Horn are of the highest quality, now I think they're very good, but I would probably say uh, at best, we're talking an A minus. And uh, most likely a B-plus starting corner in this league will make some Pro Bowls, but will not change the position. So let's understand Deion Sanders as a prospect, Jalen Ramsey as a prospect, they were thought of as they will have a chance to be the very best corner in the entire NFL when they uh, get their feet wet. And and I don't, I, I, I can't tell you that one of these two corners are quite that good from what I can tell. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. So now we circle back to Penny Sewell, and there is every reason to believe that he will be a all pro at, at left tackle very soon. Uh, we'll start with the fact that he's 19 years old. And, uh, and so when you, when you discuss that, you're looking at a Tyron Smith type. Okay. I don't think there's been a better tackle in the NFL than Tyron Smith in this past decade. And, and while uh, that might make me a bit of a homer, uh, I can live with that. I, I just don't, you can give me every tackle in this league. And I would say, you know what? I would stick with 2011 through 2020 version of Tyron Smith. I would love it if, uh, if I was promised he would be healthy into his thirties, but you don't do that when you're drafting, you're drafting a 20 year old. So, so if I, if basically the question is, Hey, Bob, I got Tyron Smith and Deion Sanders on the board. Who are you taking? Then I would lean back to, I need defense. I'm taking Deion Sanders. But if I don't think one of them is quite at the very top of their position uh, historically, then I probably got, uh, I have to look past my temporary defensive desire and, and, and lock in on the guy who I think is a first team all pro. And that would be Penny Sewell. And by the way, that's probably also Kyle Pitts. Um, so those are the two guys, along with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, where if any of them get to 10, those four guys, I'm going to have to have a long talk with my war room. I'm going to have to take phone calls on trades, and I'm going to have to think it over. Anybody else, and I mean anybody else, I'm probably going to take Patrick Sertan if he's available to me, and then J.C. Horn if Sertan's gone. Uh, so, so I, I, I have to, I have to come to these decisions before draft night starts. If I'm a general manager, because once the bullets start flying, then emotions might make me uh, 
rush into a poor decision. And, and that's the last thing we want on draft night. Yeah. And, and, you know, you bring up the point and that's kind of what I was going to, was going to get to here next is, is the Kyle Pitts conundrum, right? You know, you talk about a guy that's, that's just a freak of an athlete. I mean, you know, I don't know how many people watched Florida football, but this guy's been all over ESPN the last, you know, six months since college football ended. I mean, nobody, you know, I don't think anybody has not heard of him and, and just his athletic capability, not only the best tight end in the class, but probably the best tight end in a generation. Um, and also yeah. probably the best pass catcher, even though Jamar Chase is there as well at top, you know, in the top five. If Kyle Pitts does fall, right? You wrote an interesting article, Bob, actually about this um, on The Athletic about the Michael Gallup, you know, kind of issue that the Cowboys could run into um, next year, right? The fact that right. as productive as Michael Gallup has been and arguably has put up maybe borderline wide receiver one numbers and maybe will get paid like that. Um, yeah. If, you know, the, the the article that you wrote kind of goes into, okay, if the Cowboys, if Kyle Pitts is there and the Cowboys draft him, um, what do you do with Gallup, right? Where do you start making phone calls on Michael Gallup um, and try to get a day two or a day three pick uh, from that? And, and kind of, you know that you're going to have to, you're going to have to pay him a lot of money. And, and especially with the amount that we're paying Dak and Amari Cooper and Zeke, and then now getting, another pass catcher like Kyle Pitts, if the cards fall that way, is that a scenario you see that could play out? Or is there a case where with Amari Cooper's cap hit lowering to 6 million next year, is he a guy that the Cowboys may look at and say, all right, maybe we get, we get him off the books. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to think about there and it's probably all, uh, you know, discussion that we would entertain that I don't know that they're thinking in that direction. It's absolutely something that I would ponder carefully because I don't think you can walk away from Kyle Pitts because I kind of think he's tight end Megatron. And uh, I would never recommend walking away from Megatron if he falls in your lap on draft night any more than I would recommend uh, passing on CD Lamb. Uh, there are certain things that the, the draft gods uh, smile on you. And then there are other times uh, they they uh, give you a bad break and you have to, you know, uh, you know, sit in your tears a little bit. But in this case, I do think if Kyle Pitts, very unlikely, but if Kyle Pitts does fall to number 10, then I think you probably have to figure out how to address your defensive issues in another way. Now, there is much conjecture on what, what one year of Michael Gallup at $2.3 million would be worth to a contender. But I propose to you that you might even be able to talk a desperate team into, you know, definitely a future second, maybe a second for Friday night. And I can't rule out the fact that you might be able to talk a Super Bowl contender Let's use one that I know very well, a Green Bay team that needs a wide receiver, uh, you know, across from Devontae Adams and doesn't really have any cap room to go do it. Um, I, I would wonder if they would give me their 2022 first round pick for Michael Gallup, uh, which, by the way, may not be very good because Green Bay has picked, I think, 29th and 29th the last two seasons. But. That's pretty good for one year of Michael Gallup. So uh, that's one way to look at it. I suppose the other one, which I did propose in that piece, is considering the 2021 season, uh, you know, a, possibly a tryout of which guy would I keep 
uh, beyond that, would I would I keep Amari Cooper or would I exercise his contract clause, which I believe is a six million dollar buyout? And then you can kind of walk away from Cooper's entire deal at the end of this season. And now you take the difference and we know uh, Cooper's making 20 a year. Could I get Michael Gallup this summer for 16 a year? And, and, and maybe the savings there of 4 million per season going from Gallup to Cooper uh, for 2022 and beyond, maybe I can, maybe I can even add another player onto my roster with that savings. It's, you know, I think, I just think you have to get creative here. And, and I think teams often, uh, think there's too many hoops to jump through and maybe it is maybe in the real world it's not nearly uh, what we think it is on Madden or fantasy football for sure but I do think uh, at 10 if I say I'm taking Patrick Sertan then I'm kind of saying I don't want the third best player in this draft because I feel like ninth the ninth best player in this draft is my need. I just, I, I don't think that ever makes sense. So I, I, I realize that makes uh, some people red in the face and I get it. I totally understand where they're coming from. And I agree that 2020 Cowboys defense was depressing on many levels, but I do think there are other ways to skin a cat. And uh, I do think the Cowboys will have three more top 100 picks on Friday. And if we can add to that by using an offensive chip that we no longer need, Maybe that's a way to take Kyle Pitts or Penny Sewell. Otherwise, um, you know, I, I, I think there might even be another scenario we don't, we don't know about. But I think probably the best way to tie that whole answer up is to say we probably don't have to sweat Kyle Pitts getting by probably at the very, very lowest, I would think, pick six. Makes sense. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, looking at it, I don't, I don't know how he falls. I don't see how Miami passes on him. Um, you know, where they're sitting at and, and even Carolina, um, you know, sitting there at eight, just a couple of picks ahead of us. I, I don't see how he falls. Uh, the guy is just, he's a, a freak and a Marvel. Like you said, he's tight end Megatron. And so it would be, yeah. it would be a shock yeah. if he does. Um, but, but I, I agree with you that if he's there, you kind of, you know, you take best player available and, and you figure out the rest later, um, especially with the three, you know, picks later on in, in day two, day three, and then just the depth at corner in this year's draft, you know, a guy like Greg Newsom or Asante Samuel, Samuel Jr. that you can go out and get and, and maybe plug and play there. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting uh, for sure tomorrow night. So, Bob, let, let's assume that everything falls the way that we think it will, right? And, and it's Patrick Sertain and J.C. Horn that are there at 10. I know your preference is Patrick Sertain. I think for many people it's Patrick Sertain. Um, you know, Jerry Jones loves those, you know, lineage players, right? The, both their fathers played in the NFL for a long time and, and were great players. Is is Patrick Sertain, to me, when I when I look at him and just watching Alabama games last year, he kind of seems like more of a safe pick, right? More of kind of like a Byron Jones, a guy who's not going to attack the ball, not going to get five, six, seven interceptions every year versus J.C. Horn seems... Uh, like more of a go-getter, a guy who's willing to take a little bit more uh, of a risk to go after the ball. It, it, does Sertain fit a little bit more in Dan Quinn's defense? Is that why he's kind of the preferential pick? Well, first of all, I would say that the, the margins here are very slim. So so I don't want to overstate this. Uh, you know, when you watch Sertain, you have to, you, you do have to remember that he's playing with Alabama. And when J.C. Horn is playing with South Carolina, he is in a position where he has 
to uh, do what's best to try to win these games. And, and, I, and I do think we, we lose sight of that a little bit if Sertan is a safe player, meaning he doesn't take unnecessary risks that uh, can turn into 75-yard touchdowns because my corner just thought he, he tried to jump a slant that wasn't really a slant. It was a slant and a go. And uh, now we, we feel pretty dumb. I think the people that do that are probably playing for teams who are either behind at the time or they are underdogs in the game. They think I have to make a play to make up the margins of the talent deficiencies in this college game I'm playing right now. And we know that JC Horn was in that position of far more as a South Carolina Gamecock than anybody was as an Alabama Crimson Tide. So uh, if, if you play on a team that is never an underdog and you play on a team that is really never playing from behind almost the entire season, then as a corner, or as a defensive player in general, I think the way they coach their team is, guys, all we have to do is outlast our opponent. We can't give them easy scores. We can't give them an easy lead. We have to make them work for everything because if we do, we're going to beat them. We're Alabama. And so I think at times we can then translate that into the disposition of a football player and say, well, this guy is not trying to get the football as much as he is trying to play it safe and trying to play fundamentally sound and make sure he has no missed tackles and make sure he certainly isn't falling for a slant and a go uh, when we're a 21 point favorite against Mississippi state. And so, you know, as I look at those two players, there's no question that JC Horn takes more chances. There's no chance, no question. He's a little more grabby at the top of routes and, and, you know, at, at the, the top of the stem before the break, he, he, he lays his hands on players. But I think a lot of that is in general, the desire to gain an advantage where he can make a, a game changing play. And I just, to me, that's really probably most of what we're talking about here. And, and, and so when I say I prefer Sertan over Horn, um, I don't see a lot measurable, although I do think JC Horn is slightly twitchier, if that makes sense. And, and as, as I said yesterday on the radio, um, it doesn't mean JC Horn is, is faster than Sertan in the 40, because I think one is a 4-4-1 and one is a 4-4-2. So when you're talking about one hundredth of a second, I pretty much call that a dead heat. And so then, so what makes somebody twitchier? Twitchier is your ability to get from uh, here to five feet from here in the blink of an eye faster than another guy. Or when you're backpedaling, can you go now go forward? Uh, five feet in the blink of an eye faster than the other guy. I think Horn probably can do that, but I also am not sure that that uh, can be um, uh, what's uh, quantified uh, along with his decision-making differences. I think Sertan makes the right decision all the time, which I do think is probably a product of a guy being coached uh, by a dad who played a long time in the NFL and then by Nick Saban. And so these are advantages Sertan has uh, almost like if you were hiring somebody at uh, your business, so you would be, you would be a slightly more impressed if you found out this guy went to an Ivy league school and he graduated with honors than somebody who did not. And, you know, again, in the end, the differences may be uh, minuscule if at all, but these are the little tiebreakers I use when we're talking about two players that are both as talented. 
if if Justin Fields is sitting there at ten, right tomorrow night when the Cowboys, uh, you know, when the draft starts and and first round goes through, the first nine picks are announced, and Justin Fields is there. How far back do you think the Cowboys are willing to trade? Right? Are they willing to go as far back as, say, Chicago at 20? Or is New England at 15, kind of right in front of Arizona, another team that, that desperately needs a corner? Do they have a limit on how far back they want to trade to get one of these, one of these top two cornerbacks? Well, I, I would assume that they have a price that uh, the further they drop back, the more they're going to need your 2022 first to uh, make that move. So um, I, I, I'd be happy to drop back a couple slots uh, in most years, but this year I realize the Eagles are right behind uh, the Cowboys and Giants. And so that makes me a little nervous. Uh, everybody needs a corner. You know, you know, every year I fill out cards for, uh, okay, list uh, so-and-so's five biggest needs. All right. This team's five biggest needs. Every single team has CB on their card somewhere. It is absolutely the most, with the possible exception of the offensive line, it is the most sought after position every single year. And it's not going down. It's going up because the way this sport is being played and the way it's evolving. So I have no doubt the further you drop, the more you're walking away from corner. Now, are there other players on this uh, in this draft that uh, could instantly help the defense or the roster? Of course. But, man, uh, you know, I, I try to tell people all the time because there's nothing more popular in draft Twitter or, or sports radio or in my email box than fans who love to trade down because they've read the studies, and I agree with them. They've read the studies where the best way to become a better drafting team is to have more draft picks. It's a simple, it's a simple equation that just shows that these are human beings and uh, the, the, the washout rate of NFL play, player prospects is so high that really the only way to guarantee success is to have more rolls of the dice. I get all that and I understand it and I've studied it very carefully. And the, the only thing I think we miss sometimes when we try to game the system is that uh, you have to make sure what you're walking away from is worth the squeeze, if you will. And I just think in this case, the rare opportunity to get the best defensive player in this draft, that means we're not walking away from just another guy who may not be good. We are walking away from an entire year of college football's prospects on the defensive side, which I need more than anything on this roster. And so I do think, even though I just got done telling you that I don't think Sertan is Dion or uh, Jalen Ramsey, I do think he can easily be the best corner this team has had since Terrence Newman was in his prime. And I think that's worth a lot. And so I'm not. I'm not getting out of here for a project speed rusher like Quiddy Pay or uh, or Ojolari or or some like Jalen Phillips. Uh, all these guys that that are you know the best edge rushers this season, but they all have issues. So I I'm not interested in doing that. I'm not interested in getting out of here for the best safety, even though I love Trayvon. Von Merrick at TCU. Uh, I mean, the the linebacker conundrum is is definitely a conversation that is entertaining as well. But I'm not walking away from a top corner. Uh, and and if I drop past fifth, if I drop to 15, I think both corners are gone. And and now I'm trying to talk myself into maybe Caleb Farley's uh, 
uh, you know, maybe his back isn't that bad. And I don't want to do that in the first round. Are you kidding me? So, so uh, all of these guys who want to drive the trade back train, they can do that and uh, knock yourself out. But I, that's not me unless you blow me away with an offer. And I don't mean it has to be fair on the draft trade value. I mean, I have to be making a significant profit to walk away from one of these two corners. Do I have a price? Of course I do. Uh, you know, it's the draft. We're, we're not going to be silly here and fall in love with one prospect because no, none of these guys are going to win a Super Bowl in 2021 for this team by themselves. But you're going to have to overpay to get this from me. It's, it's kind of funny how everything kind of it fell exactly the way that that the Cowboys needed right you you mentioned we we have the ability here sitting at 10 to get the best defensive player in this draft um you know the top 9 picks could all be offensive players and and you know first time like you said in 50 60 years it, it's kind of it's kind of a fantastic situation for the Cowboys oh yeah it is and and uh what i love about the uh the the industrial draft machine is even though it looks like nearly a perfect scenario I suppose perfect would be picking first overall, but then you got to go one in 15. So, so, but, but this, but this near perfect scenario, uh, all you hear is people wanting to uh, trick it up even more and try to trade out of here. And I, like I said, I get it. I I've seen the studies. I, uh, heck I study this stuff, uh, every day. So I'm, I'm well aware of the scenarios, but I just think in this spot, um, if you have not one, but two corners, that you think can kind of change the entire approach of your defense, allow you to play a much more aggressive pass coverage, which of course allows you to be far more creative with your blitz looks, with your pass rush deployment. It helps you cover up some weaknesses if you have them at linebacker, which this team does. And uh, you've added a few one-year plug and play safeties, but you also could you know, ultimately uh, continue to bring along some kids there. Man, I just I, I I am not walking away from one of these top two corners unless uh, unless I, it's worth my while and 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 you know there's a price but I I'm you know I like I I agree with you man I, th- this feels this feels pretty perfect right now now you know, I, I I may change my tune at nine o'clock uh, Thursday night when uh, when uh, number seven and number nine both take corners and then we're all looking at each other like now what. But uh, but but hopefully that would mean Penny Sewell or Kyle Pitts or one of these quarterbacks falls on my head and and my phone is ringing and uh, you know I've got good choices to make so uh, it's it's the draft game we can't predict uh, what thirty two teams are going to do that's why mock drafts are are largely a waste of time except uh, they get the clicks but uh, you know it's 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 just you know it's it, now it, now you've done your work and it's wait and see and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, and, and you know, you mentioned the fact that you know we've we've brought in a couple of extra safeties. I know safety's always been a big question uh, for Cowboys fans. Uh, feels like ever since Roy Williams left, to be honest. But um, you know, bringing in Keanu Neal and Demonte KZ, both former Dan Quinn guys in Atlanta, kind of shores that up a little bit, right? And we can kind of rate, wait to see if if a Richie Grant falls uh, falls to us in the second round. Is there is there a player, Bob? in in the second or third round that would you think in your mind after all the analysis you've done that the Cowboys would make a trade up for if if somebody who's the one guy that you think okay if he falls to you know three four picks ahead of us I'm I'm doing everything I can to go get him well uh I I do think there is and I I I would start with uh this team doesn't need 10 draft picks so um clearly 
it's like saying I have 10 coins in my pocket and you're going to say, yeah, but what are the coins? Because if you have 10 pennies, that's way different than 10 silver dollars. So they have 10 picks and several of them are pennies. So let's not get crazy with, uh, they have so many picks. They don't know. Jacksonville has some silver dollars, lots of them in their pocket. Uh, they've, uh, they've traded uh, their entire roster away. So urban Meyer practically has a, 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 a expansion team, uh, at his disposal here. So that's why he was so eager to get that job. The, the, the Cowboys do have currency to move up and, uh, clearly the two parts, the two spots I care about, because I really think we should all, all only care about top 100 picks for the most part, um, with all due respect to Tom Brady and, and Dak Prescott and some of these, uh, you know, gold mines. Uh, it, it's clearly a case where people have selective memory about, uh, you know, the, the 150 guys taken every year uh, after the top 100 picks. Uh, we, we will always tell you the two good ones but we, uh, we generally don't waste people's time with the 148 guys who run special teams or don't even make the league. So if I, so the two magic spots, man, it'd be nice if I could just answer a question straight, huh? But anyway, the two, I love it. I love it. <laughs> the two magic spots would be uh, 44 and 75. And I have pick 99 as a compensatory pick. And then of course I have my, uh, the same deal in the fourth round. So, with the with the number 99 pick and then the two picks in the fourth round which i which i don't have committed to memory quite as well i would love to use them to improve 44 and 75 uh that's that's the goal now do i want to put 44 and 75 together and try to get to the very last spot or two in the first round because trayvon merrick is still there or somebody like that, maybe an offensive tackle I really like, um, maybe a linebacker that I am hearing will not make it to 44. Uh, I can see that. I would prefer to use 99 to move from 44 up, but now that, that limits my range probably to, off the top of my head, a half dozen picks up. Maybe I can get to 39 or 38 by using 99 and 45, but, I, you know, 44. I would prefer to look at that third round and say, could, what can I get for 75 plus 99? Can I get to the tail end of round two? Can I get very early in round three? And in all of these cases, I'm going to feel that the Cowboys have stacked about 50 players on a board that they say, these are premium guys. Uh, let's say 35 of them are defensive players that can step right in and become part of my best 13 or 14 defenders next season. I have a role for them ready, but also I'm understanding I, I have guys with one year left on their contract right now. Uh, Randy Gregory is a good example of that. Can I find a year two starter at edge midway through the second or late in the second? Probably not, but maybe. And so since we don't know what that is going to be, I'm going to say the Cowboys have their top 50 stack. Uh, there are many guys who aren't even on their board. And if three to five of those guys are left at pick 65 and, uh, you know, you still like them and you're Dan Quinn and you're Mike McCarthy and you're pounding the table that this guy can help us right now, I swear I have a spot for him uh, or at least 
he will, uh, you know, be an understudy to KZ in center field this whole season. And by 2022, he's my opening day solution at free safety or, or we'll be playing a lot more too high this season. You know, there's, there's a number of ways to skin this day two cat, but, but unfortunately um, we are wildly guessing here before the draft even began, begins what that board might look like. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of when, uh, when Demarcus Lawrence fell right and the and Cowboys made a move up to get him. Perfect. That's exactly right. I, I'm excited, Bob. I'll tell you, I love, I love NFL draft uh, day. I love the coverage. I love just, you know, I actually went to the draft when it was here in Dallas a couple of years ago, which was a, a amazing experience. Um, nice. So it's, uh, you know, it's always a fun time for football fans. And I feel like, you know, the Cowboys are in a great position here um, at 10. And then of course, with, uh, with the remaining picks on uh, the rest in the rest of the draft. Uh, once again, he's a staff writer for The Athletic, co-host of The Hardline on 1310 AM, 96.7 FM, The Ticket, here in Dallas, Texas. Bob Sturm, thank you so much for joining Metroplex Mania this afternoon. That was really fun. I enjoyed it. Take it easy. Big shout out to Bob Sturm for joining the podcast today. One of the smartest minds in Dallas sports. So look, we talked a lot about what the Cowboys should do at number 10. Um, you know, my my ideal scenario um, is that the top nine picks all fall the way that I think everybody expects them to, right? That we've got nine straight offensive players drafted and Patrick Sertain falls to the Cowboys at number 10, um, filling a, a huge glaring deficiency on this team. Um, now if a Panay Sewell or a Kyle Pitts falls to the Cowboys, you could talk me into accepting that provided that if it is Kyle Pitts, the Cowboys make a move to either offload Michael Gallup, um, or next off season, uh, with the lower cap hit for Amari Cooper, the Cowboys, figure out a way to move on from him. Kind of like Bob talked about, right? It's more of a let's see what you got kind of year uh, for uh, for those two wide receivers. If it's a Panay Sewell, who falls and the Cowboys elect to take him? You know what? Offensive line is another glaring hole. I do think that there's enough depth in this draft and the Cowboys have enough draft capital to make a move up to draft a lineman uh, should they fall uh should it be a Landon Dickerson from Alabama? Um, you know, the, the kid from Notre Dame, Samuel Cosme from Texas. Uh, you know, there's a lot of depth at offensive line um, where the Cowboys can potentially sit back and wait. But again, I, you know, I'm not in the war room. I don't know how the draft board is set. And by all accounts, Panay Sewell is the top offensive line prospect um, and, again, is 19 years old. So there's a lot of wiggle room. Um, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, length to that career, um, especially, um, you know, for an offensive line that, that really, really struggled with injuries and, and is getting up there in age. The scenario that I don't want to see happen is if a Justin Fields falls to the Cowboys at 10 and the Patriots come calling, um, you know, the, the Washington football team com- comes calling, the Bears come, call- come calling. I, I think the lowest I would move down if I'm the Cowboys is to that um, and is to that spot with the Patriots at 15. Uh, I think that still gives you a chance to potentially get one of Patrick Sertain or J.C. Horn. 
I do think Philadelphia will probably take one of them at 12 if Devontae Smith is not there. Um, but, you know, you get into after New England's pick at 15, Arizona needs a corner. The Raiders need a corner. Like Bob said, really every team needs a corner. But I, I think Arizona and Vegas are, are two of the um, the teams that with the biggest need at corner along with the Cowboys. Um, you know, unless you can somehow pry Stephon Gilmore uh, w- from New England when making that deal, uh, if they want to go up and get Justin Fields, um, I-, I would stand pat at 10. Uh, go ahead and take either Horn or Sertain, whoever you've got ranked higher on your board, uh, and-, and go into the year with, with you know, two really, really good starting cornerbacks uh, in Dan Quinn's new system. But we'll see what happens, right? We're a day away from the NFL draft. It's going to be a wonderful Thursday night. Um, thank you so much to tuning in to Metroplex Mania. Uh, please go ahead and subscribe uh, via Spotify, via Apple. Uh, be sure to leave a review. Would love to know what you guys think of the show. As always, uh, Metroplex Mania is brought to you by the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. And as always, I'm your host, Shana Vazmakani. Thank you for listening.